0: All right, good morning, happy Easter. Indeed, Jesus has risen. And today... (laughs) That's right, he's risen indeed. Today we get to celebrate the day that is most central to the church. This is the message of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death and his resurrection which provides a way for us to be in right relationship to God, this is a message of love, hope, and redemption. A message in which the gospel of Jesus, the good news, this is what we call the gospel, is the good news, right? That the good news of Jesus is fulfilled. However, sometimes this message can be difficult for some of us to understand or to accept. In fact, for some of us, this message can feel actually a little offensive and even a little foolish. You see, the world that we live in and the culture and society that, that, that we're part of values strength and wisdom. And we're told that success is measured by power, influence, and wealth. We are taught that knowledge is power and the more we know, the better off we will be. So right now I want to, You guys to turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to 1 Corinthians. We're going to go from chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 18 to 31. So if you have your Bibles, turn to that. Uh, I'm going to have it posted up as well. This is this verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many... Are, So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, today as we come before you, we are humbled by what you did on the cross. We worship you, we surrender ourselves to you today in what you have done. Remind us of your love that you pour out, the hope that you give, What we know, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those of us that have been with the church for a while, this message is a message of reminder. It's to remind us to never forget this. For those of us that don't know what the church is about, I hope this message becomes one of revelation, one of hope, and one of love. For those that are unfamiliar with the Easter story, it is a story in which God, the creator of the universe, the one who has created you, saves humanity from the brokenness of sin and restoring the right relationship to him. It is a love story in which God sends himself through his son Jesus to say, I will pay the price of this brokenness and I will stand in the place of the needed sacrifice. I will pour out my life so that yours can be restored. You see, when God created the world, God created it and it was perfect. It was sinless and it was in a way utopian. But through the choice of humanity we rejected God and chose to say that I can do this life without God. With this choice, sin entered and brokenness entered into the world. And death is a result of this brokenness. The loneliness we feel, the hopelessness, the separation, the anxiety, and the depression, all of this are, is a result of this choice. However, God, in his love for his creation, said the only thing that can restore this relationship is the death that needs to be defeated, that the price of sin needs to be paid, and it is only paid through a sacrificial death. Not just any death, but it needed to be paid by a sinless death. So God sent himself through his son Jesus to become fully human And God worked through the life of Jesus, not only to set an example, but also that life, the life that was needed so that the price of sin and death can be paid. That it was only through his death that could restore the right relationship of creation and put it back in place. So in this event in which we celebrate today during Easter, we celebrate the life of Jesus. We remember his death. And that we have life because of his resurrection. This is the story of love and mercy and compassion. It is the story of redemption. It is the story of the creator coming for his creation. But as we read in the passages that we just read, it says that this, in verse 18, this is what, where I want to focus on today. So if you could go to that verse 18. It says, to those that reject this message, this story will become foolish and absurd. It doesn't make any sense. However, to those that, who, that know Jesus, this is where our power comes from. This is where the, the power of the church comes from. Then it goes on to quote Isaiah 29, 14. It says, God says, I will turn conventional wisdom on its head and I will expose these so-called experts as shams. We live in a world in which us as humans, we continuously strive for power and wisdom. We're constantly discerning the things of this world, and the narrative on, on how we are to live is constantly being challenged as we pursue to be better and better. What our culture tells us is that we need to live our truth, Right? That's all over social media. You turn on your Instagram, you turn on your Facebook, you turn on the news. The the, message is that you need to live to be better. That we need to live our truth, that we need to live our authentic life, that we need to pursue things that will improve our lives or change our circumstances. That if we had this thing in place or that thing in place, that our life will be better. That if our government would only do this then our, our, our life would be better. If our politics uh, don't match what we believe, then we need to change our policies. That if we only cut these relationships out of my life or surround myself with people that exemplifies how I think, then and only then will my life be good, right? This is what the world tells us, that this is how, what, where goodness comes from. That I know how to discern things in my life, and that and, and what I need in my life. And when all of these things fall in place, then it will work out. That I need healing from my past traumas. Traumas that were brought on by my family and my childhood. Traumas from my church or traumas from an unfortunate incident that was done against me. This current narrative of our culture, even though I would say, yes, there's some truth to that. One of the things that I would also say is to listen to all these statements. All of these statements, all of the things that that I just said revolves around one commonality, one common thread. And through all these statements is the word I. This word I perpetuates in our society and in our culture a narcissistic lens in looking at ourselves as the ones that could save ourselves i believe this is the foolishness that paul is addressing here in these verses the foolishness of those that don't believe that the current foolishness of the of the world is also found in the current foolishness of the church that in the church, we, we too have a narrative in which we are trying to navigate through some, some things that are not so good, you know, like spiritual manipulation, like patriarchy, some of the more controlling traditions of the church. But while doing that, we have applied the wisdom of the world into the situations and we begin to make concessions and allowances in places that don't belong in the church we begin to form our own ideas of what church is about and what it should stand for. And I believe that even those that believe can fall into folly or foolishness if we don't remind ourselves of the message of the cross. Because the message of the cross is the power of God That when we look at the story of Easter, this is to remind us that we can live within the power and in the wisdom of God and that things that lead us to that place, the only thing that could lead us to that place is through humility. Philippians 2, 5, 8 says this, Have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, A thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the weakness that Paul is talking about. This is the humility that Jesus took on. This is the weakness that Jesus took on when he came into this world. That in order for us to understand the message of the cross, we need to humble ourselves, like Jesus said, to become a servant. And even though Jesus had the very nature of God, what did he do? He submitted himself to God because what he understood is both the tension of humanity and human nature to be great and have power. And he understood the tension of what sin is. By the way, that... You know what? This whole idea of power is what the original sin was. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, what did they want? They wanted to be equal. And this original sin continues to perpetuate throughout humanity until Jesus comes back. And that this is the tension that we have to fight. This is the tension that we have to be in. This is the tension in which we we are constantly battling with in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. Even Jesus knew this tension was when he was man. That even Jesus had to deal with this tension when he was man, even though he was God, he took on the position of a servant. You see, the only way to battle pride is with humility. The only way to battle this desire for greatness, this desire for power, is that we must serve. That even before Jesus faced the cross, he had his moment in which he didn't want to do it. But out of obedience, out of humility, he trusted that God is sovereign. He knew that this was his assignment. Jesus came to the cross and he did it. I see, grace comes to those that are humble and not to the proud. Because it says, even in the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We didn't get as far as this, but in 1 Corinthians 2, 5, it points that our faith not rests in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God that the power of God rests in weakness and in humility, that the full full display of this weakness or this humility is in the death of a Galilean carpenter, Jesus of Nazareth. That when he died on the cross, nobody would look at the middle cross on the day that Jesus died and said, yes, this is the Messiah. The cross is a picture of the humility of Jesus. The message of the cross establishes the gravity of the human condition. The message of the cross is is saying that the story of humanity, the story of man's rebellion, of man's alienation, of man's brokenness, is now over. The death of Jesus and the picture that is given to us in the Bible causes us to ponder and then to proclaim that it took the death of God's perfect son to deal with my sinful life, my alienation, my brokenness, and my rebellion. I'm pretty sure there's one thing that the whole world could agree with. And that one thing is that our world is broken. You could go anywhere, to any country, to any culture, to any place. And people there would agree with you to some degree that the world is broken, that there's hurt in this, in this world. That, that something has gone amazingly wrong. The other thing that most people out there would probably agree with you is that they have no answer in how to fix it. In this predicament that we face, what happens is that we just see mankind kind of do our own thing. We begin to look in the mirror and we just start saying, I'm gonna go do something good. You know, Michael Jackson's song, Man in the Mirror. No. Maybe some of you are too old, some of you are too young. The the people in their 30s and 40s would know this. No? No? Okay. Okay. That if I just change myself, this world would be a better place. That if I'm just better than my neighbors, that this world would be a better place. We start almost grading, like, oh, they're getting an F, so that pushes me up to a C. As long as I'm a C, I'm better. Like, you know the university curve, right? Like, as long as there's people that are worse than me, then I'm better off. <laughs> right? We begin to look at in the mirror, and we, 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 we believe that if we just do make ourselves better, that this world's going to be better. But the reality is that's not true. That's not going to solve the brokenness of this world. That's not going to bring healing into this world. The only thing that could bring healing into this world is given to us in this famous passage, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Church, when we look at our salvation and we look at the cross and we think that it is about us or me, that is wrong. Because God, yes, he did come to save you, but he came to save the entirety of the world that god didn't just come for for you personally but he came for all of us collectively we like to live in this world where it's all about ourselves so we even talk about salvation where it's just for me yes that is true it is for you but it is not just for you that salvation comes as a collective That Salvation comes for you and your neighbor. That salvation comes for you and your worst enemy. And you may not like that, but that is true. That God comes and he brings restoration not just into humanity, but he brings restoration to the entirety of creation. That Jesus died for creation's sake. That Jesus died to bring in something that is new. That when he resurrected, new life came. We just celebrated new life when how he came and and gave his testimony and got baptized. He says, I am starting a new life with Jesus today. That yes, we're still living in a world of brokenness, but we have power and we are able to navigate this world that we live in because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of his resurrection, we experience a new life and we're able to navigate this brokenness because he gives us power to do that. Hallelujah. Right? It's not really about what you know and, 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 and all the things that you've done. I'm reminded of the... I was talking to my staff to this earlier this week and I'm reminded of the story of the thief that was nailed beside Jesus. I know Alex is really wanting the song, The Thief by Third Day. He's been asking for it for years. But when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was nailed with two other people. That's why there's always three cross. Those other two people were thieves. They were murderers. They were people that, that took advantage of people traveling, and they would stand by the wayside, and they would go and rob them. And if they struggled, they would actually kill them. They are arrested, and they, they were, when they were arrested with Jesus, these two people mocked Jesus as Jesus was, was being tried. They cussed him out. They're just like, this. who is this guy? But when they got to the cross, when all three of them needed to be put to death, one of the thieves says, if you are the son of God, why don't you come and save yourself and save all of us? Whereas the other cross rebuked him and says, do you not know who this man is? And he asked Jesus a simple question. That when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, because of this, that today you will be with me in paradise. I want to ask this thief the question, how did you do it? Imagine this thief, he dies, he goes to heaven. He's at the, the, the pearly gates, right? We have this image of heaven that has these pearly gates. And the angel asked this man, he's just like, okay, so how, how, did, you, how did you come into heaven? And he's like, I don't know. well, what are you doing here? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I just don't know. So the angel's probably like, well, let me get Peter first. Okay? Let me bring the supervisor's angel over, over. And he's like, I just have a few questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of the justification of faith? The thief's probably like, I've never heard of it. (laughs) What about the doctrine of Scripture? Let's go there immediately. Do you know the doctrine of Scripture? No. The guy's just staring. Eventually, out of frustration, the, the, the angel's like, on what basis are you here? And I believe the thief just said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. That is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if we don't preach the gospel to ourselves every single day, we will find ourselves beginning to trust ourselves more and trust our own experience, which is part of the fallenness of man. It feeds into the narcissism of our culture. That if I take my eyes off the cross, that we are living in a way that our salvation depends on ourselves, that if you go there, you will lead. That it will lead you to despair and arrogance. That it is only the cross of Christ that deals with both despair and the pride of man. Martin Luther says that most of our Christian life is outside of you. That we're not saved by good works, but we're saved by what. We're not saved by what we do, but what Christ has done. So it gives to the believers, those that call yourselves fathers of Christ, a reminder, a very important reminder of the story of God's love that we get to take out into the broken world. It corrects my tendencies and it gives me a confidence that I would otherwise have a confidence in the gospel of Jesus. So as I end today, let me go back to where I started. I'm not here to try to say something that we don't know. I'm just here, as Peter says, I intend always to remind you of these things. So I'm just reminding us of what we know to be true. That we are charged with the biblical message of Jesus Christ, him crucified and raised on the third day, giving us new creation and restored life. God gives us the power to live. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask for your mercy. We pray and grant that what is of yourself may find a resting place in our minds and in our hearts ask that if it, there's anything that is unclear, that you clear it up. Anything that is untrue, that you take it away. Anything that is unhelpful, may we forget it, Lord. But Lord, unless we hear your voice, we just want to hear your voice. As a church, we just want to hear your voice for eternity's sake. So we look from ourselves and we ask you, we ask you to take care of your church. We ask that your church exemplify your name. And for all your glory, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. What a powerful name. The name of Jesus Christ, my King, my Lord, my Savior. What a powerful name. Let us pray. Father God may our hearts just be really really filled with your your joy for i i know it from scripture that uh as has uh, as the writer uh uh jude said that now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy exceeding joy. God, I know that. I know that reality now because of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. I remember a time God that when you uh, when when I was in university and how I just bombed at the the, uh, accounting course and I just bombed and I just, I knew, I knew I failed miserably because I couldn't even answer the last question and I and I missed out on a few questions on the test and I knew I bombed and I and I went out of there everybody in the class was just they were just totally devastated at the fact that they they too realized how how difficult that that whole exam was and that counting course exam was and we we all were saying definitely fail definitely have but on we were graded on a big C-word, curve. And and, we, 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 and I'm just reminded of that when, when Pastor John t- spoke about that. And we were graded on a curve, and we all passed. And I got an A, praise God. I got an A. How, how incredible is that? And that reminded me about what you did, Jesus. You, you graded us all on the big C-word, the cross. And for that, you did it with, you want to present us faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy. And there was just joy in your heart when you saw us believing and trusting in what you have done for us. And now, God, may may, may that glory of the cross just fill our hearts as we depart from you. May the glory of the cross just fill us from head to toe. May the glory of the cross just do it. It's great and wonderful, beautiful work of helping us to believe once again that even though we are weak, even though we have fallen, even though we have been graded with a big F in life, but because of the cross, because of the cross of Christ, we are all graded with an A plus in you, Jesus. If we believe, if we trust you, and so now as we de- depart from here as we are as we are dismissed from here may you just feel itch in every heart that is here that is broken that is uh, that's just feeling like a failure that's feeling like an F may you tell them Jesus for God you so loved them for God you so loved them that you sent Jesus for us for God you so loved the world for God you so loved us and may our hearts just be filled with that love message that you did not send your son into the world to condemn the world but to save it Oh, may our hearts just be filled with that hallelujah may our hearts just be overwhelmed with that message this morning and I thank you again for for the grace and for the love for the invitation from your spirit just to trust in you and i pray for each person here that do not know that message right now that they would trust you today and those who have known you i pray that they will go out with joy knowing that you are able to keep them from falling and to present them faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy amen And amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.